Hello, I'm Richard, one of the leaders of King's Church here in Greater Manchester. I'm excited uh, to be able to share this message from the Bible with those of you watching today. Uh, as background to what I'll be sharing, I'd really recommend that you read Psalm 118, Psalm 118. Um, so you might want to pause this recording and do that first uh, before we carry on. Well, most scholars uh, agree, most Bible scholars agree that Psalm 118 was used in early Jewish life in religious processions, maybe when entering the temple in Jerusalem. It's still recited, in fact, by modern Jews at the end of the Passover meal. So it was and is an important passage for the Jewish people. And it is also quoted and referred to a number of times in the New Testament. All four gospel writers, for example, quote verse 26 when they describe Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this is a significant passage. Of course, it was it was written into its own context, in its own time and space. The author speaks of God's salvation in terms of being delivered from their human enemies. But we now realise that parts of it are really prophetic in pointing towards Jesus and the salvation that we find in him. So, as I say, all in all, this is a pretty significant psalm. Well, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus tells a parable to the religious leaders of his time about the owner of a vineyard and some tenant farmers. The owner plants a vineyard but then rents it out to tenants and when the time of the harvest comes he sends servants to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard but the tenants beat the servants up and even kill some of them so in the end the owner of the vineyard sends his own son surely they would respect the son the embodiment of his father but no the tenants kill the son too now, this parable clearly speaks of God and his people. Over the years, God had sent many messengers or prophets to his people, calling them to produce the fruit of God's kingdom in their lives. But the people had rejected the prophets, often beating them up or killing them. So ultimately, God sent his son and, of course, the people that Jesus was speaking to, the people of that time, well, they were about to kill the son too. And in bringing this parable to a close, Jesus quotes two of the verses from Psalm 118. And this is from Mark chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Mark 12, 10 and 11. Haven't you read this passage of scripture the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The buildings we see shooting up all around us in our city region today are built very differently to the buildings of the ancient Middle East. Back then, expert stonemasons would select stones from a quarry that would be suitable for what they were trying to build. They didn't have machines to engineer everything to exactly the same size and shape, so they would pick through the stones to select the right ones. 
the cornerstone and the capstone were particularly important as they would be the first and last stones to be set in place. The cornerstone was like the foundation to the foundations. It had to have exactly the right lines as it would determine the rest of what could be built. Everything lined up to that cornerstone. In the original context of Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected was probably understood as being the person singing the psalm. They're thanking God because he's rescued and made important the one who was rejected and cast off. But of course, this takes on a whole new level of meaning when it's quoted by Jesus in reference to himself as the son of God. The very one who is despised and rejected and cast aside as worthless actually turns out to be the most significant human being in all of history. He will become the foundation of all foundations, the one from whom everything and everyone else will find their true direction and purpose. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were brought before the Jewish uh, rulers and leaders um, for their preaching of the resurrection of Jesus and for the healing of a lame man. And in Acts 4, 8 to 12, we read this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Times may have changed and our context may be different. Here in the UK we don't tend to face violent opposition or persecution from religious leaders but people all around us do continue to reject Jesus. They might actively cast him aside as irrelevant or they may simply fail to see his value. But one way or another, he is still the stone the builders rejected. And it's tragic when you think about it, because he's actually the most valuable stone in the whole quarry. He's the one who will enable you to truly build something of value and worth that will endure forever. And yet so often he is cast aside. We, we can't force people around us to see the value that we see in Jesus. But we must ensure that we ourselves value him as we should. We must ensure that we give him his proper place in our lives not just as one stone among the many others in the building of our lives and our community, but as the very foundation, the foundation to the foundations, the cornerstone that gets to set and determine every other aspect of our identity, our direction and our purpose, individually and corporately together as God's church. 
because there is no other way that we can be saved other than through faith in Jesus and in his death and resurrection. There is no other way that we can be reconciled with God and find our true identity and purpose as his loved sons and daughters. It is in and through Jesus, our cornerstone, that we become the people of God and that we have been built together like living stones to become a temple for the Holy Spirit. As the community of God's people, we become the dwelling place of God. He dwells in the midst of us and we fill his creation with his presence. So listen to this from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Once we were not a people but now we are the people of God. Why? Because we have received Jesus as our cornerstone. Because we made a decision that our whole lives should line up around him. That our whole lives should find their meaning and purpose in him. He has to be your foundation. He has to be your cornerstone. You have to build on him and him alone. He has to become the reference point for every decision. Is the direction I'm pursuing consistent with Jesus and his life and teaching? Are the decisions I'm making consistent with him and his teaching? When I consider my lifestyle, my values, my behavior, my priorities, can I honestly say that I am building on Jesus as my cornerstone? And can we say that? for the way that we live and function together as a church community too. Well, we're gonna be spending some time as a church over the coming weeks and months thinking about our foundations, thinking about the most fundamental truths and values upon which we are building as a church. Because foundations determine what can be built and for how long it will last. Engineers and builders will have a, a good sense of what can be built just by looking at a building's foundations. And if the foundations are faulty, the building may eventually fall. 
So we'll be thinking about foundations in our preaching. And we're also going to be launching a new belonging course in November. This will be an opportunity to look at some of the things that are most important to us as a church. And it will give those of us who want to an opportunity to formalise our commitment to this particular expression of God's church. Now, of course, we see every Christian as being part of God's church. So rather than, than talk about members, we've decided to use the term mission partner. We're going to give everyone an opportunity to say, yes, I want to be part of outworking God's mission as part of this particular church community. We believe that the greater clarity around our foundations will actually empower more of us to take ownership and responsibility and to be creative in how we fulfill God's calling upon us as a local church. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 22, Paul writes to the early believers in Ephesus. Ephesians 2 from verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If we want to be built together to become the temple that God wants us to be for his spirit, a dwelling place for his spirit. If we want to be if we want people around us to be able to find the light and life of God amongst us, if we want to offer hope and healing to our world, if, if we want to live our lives together in a way that brings praise and glory to God, then we have to make sure that we are being built together on the right foundations. Now Paul mentions the foundation of the apostles and prophets and this is something that we will look at in more detail another, another time, but for now let me just say this, the ministry of an apostle is all about the mission and purpose for which Christ sends us as his people into our world. Apostles are given to keep the church true to its fundamental identity and purpose, its calling, its commission as a sent sons and daughters of God. We cannot separate mission out as merely part of who we are and what we do. Everything about us is about putting the love of God found in Jesus on display to our world. And the ministry of the prophet is all about proclaiming what God is saying, what God is speaking into our lives and into our world. So God's word to us in Jesus and his mission in Jesus in which we participate will lie at the heart of all that we have to say about foundations. And of course, Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. It is so important for us to be clear from the start that in thinking about foundations, everything must be rooted in Jesus. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved, because Jesus is everything. So let's pray. Lord God, as we as we enter this season of thinking about our foundations individually and together as a church, and as we think about how we're building our lives individually and corporately together, Lord, as we think about foundations, help us first and foremost to put you, Lord Jesus, right at the very centre of our lives. Of all that we say, of all that we do, of all that we believe, we want it all to be based on you because you are perfect revelation. The perfect revelation of all that God is and all that you're doing in our world, Lord God. So we we express to you our worship again, Lord Jesus. We tell you that we love you, we honour you, we proclaim you as our Lord and our King. And we say, Lord God, in all that we seek to learn and to build together, we want it to be centred on and built upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And God bless you. Have a great week.